So we're uh, picking up the story of Jeremiah, a prophet this morning that we've been talking about and uh, looking at his story, how God calls him to speak for him, but other people don't necessarily want to hear what he has to say. And so the people of God are kind of turning on him. There's people in his family and his friends that are not responsive to his word. And we're picking up the story in chapter 20 this morning. Chapter 20, and I'll begin with uh, verses 1 to 6. And, and then if you're reading it in your Bible, just keep your finger in there. We'll be continuing on from that place and working through this story. Now, Pasher, son of Immer, the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. So he arrested Jeremiah the prophet and had him whipped and put in stocks at the Benjamin gate of the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pasher finally released him, Jeremiah said, Pasher, the Lord has changed your name. From now on, you are to be called the man who lives in terror. For this is what the Lord says. I will send terror upon you and all your friends, and you will watch as they are slaughtered by the sword of the enemy. I will hand the people of Judah over to the king of Babylon. He will take them captive to Babylon or run them through with the sword. And I will let your enemies plunder Jerusalem. All the famed treasures of the city, the precious jewels and gold and silver of your kings will be carried off to Babylon. As for you, Pasher, you and your household will go as captives to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you prophesied that everything would be all right. So as I said, we're, we're talking about uh, Jeremiah and looking at his story. And as it unpacks, we've seen him be attacked for what he's saying. He's trying to tell the people that even though there's been reform in Israel, even though they've kind of turned their hearts towards the Lord under Josiah as king, they've kind of not gone deep enough. And they've not leaned into God's kingdom enough. And so Jeremiah says, look, we're in trouble. And, and, and God says that Babylon's going to carry us away. And all these other people are saying, no, that can't be right. We're God's people. And we're, we're the ones he loves. And, and, and we're in good shape. And it's okay. And, and this guy's just being negative. Don't listen to him. And so he gets turned on by even his family and friends. And you remember a couple weeks ago, God had challenged Jeremiah when Jeremiah was feeling the heat and, and everybody against him. He's kind of complaining about it and saying to God, you know, I, I, this is happening and these people are to get me. And God says, look, Jeremiah, if you can't, if you can't run with, with men in a regular foot race, how are you going to run against horses? And if you can't run on open ground here in the open fields, how are you going to run in the thickets near the Jordan. And so he's, he's saying to Jeremiah, I, I'm preparing you for bigger challenges than you're facing right now. And if you can't handle this, it's going to get rough. But at the same time, what he's telling him is, I am preparing you for that, to be able to handle that. You will be able to run against horses. You can run in the thickets near the Jordan if you trust me and you listen to what I told you and you do what you're supposed to do, we will get there. That's what I've got in mind. And so we've seen Jeremiah struggle with that. And then God lays this thing on him 
in that passage where he says to him, you know, even your family and friends are turning on you. Like, you think it's bad now. There's people in your hometown out to get you. Your own family are being nice to your face, but they're talking behind your back. And so this is what Jeremiah is facing. And now as we come to our passage, we find that there's this priest. He's in charge of the temple. He's, he's one of the top religious leaders in Jerusalem. And so he is a guy that is used to speaking for God. He, he represents God to the people who are God's people. And so you'd think of all people, this guy would recognize when Jeremiah speaks that God has called Jeremiah to speak, that the message is coming from God. But Pasher doesn't see that. And so when Pasher looks at Jeremiah, he says, this guy is always complaining. He's always saying something ugly. Don't listen to him. In fact, he has Jeremiah arrested and put in stocks not in some obscure place, not in prison, at the Benjamin gate of the temple so that everybody who's coming to worship, everybody who's seeking God will walk by and Jeremiah's a cautionary tale. He's the warning, don't be like him. This negative Nelly is calling out all of us and he's wrong and God is on our side and God is not sending judgment. We'll be fine. Don't listen to this guy. And so Jeremiah is in stocks and everybody that walks by is giving him that look. And he feels like this whole situation's ugly. And, and he's there for over a day so that everybody coming and everybody going is giving him that look. And every one of them is, is thinking that he is the one that's wrong and Pashur is right. That, that Pashur speaks for God and Jeremiah is just the fool who claims to speak for God and is wrong. One of them is actually speaking for God. And you and I know because it's in scripture that it's Jeremiah, but they don't know. And when they hear two messages, one telling them God is out to get you and God is going to punish you for what you're doing wrong. And the other one's telling them everything is fine and God's on our side and we're in the right and, and don't worry about it. You wonder if we were, if we were the ones passing by that gate and we heard both of them speak, I wonder who, which one we'd listen to. Which message would, would we latch on to? Which one would we want to hear? But Jeremiah is speaking for God. And so even Jeremiah's family had, had turned on him. And now a priest, a man of God, somebody who should speak for God, has arrested him and had him whipped and put in the stocks and waited there while everybody going by humiliates the man and makes him feel like a fool. And Jeremiah is not liking it at all. And so when the day is over and they finally release Jeremiah, Pashur is sure Jeremiah is going to crawl off to a hole somewhere and he'll have learned his lesson and he'll shut his mouth. And if, if he still believes God told him that, at least he'll have the good sense to shut up. Jeremiah doesn't have that kind of sense. And so Jeremiah turns to Pashur and he says, look, your new nickname is the man of terrors. That's what you are going to be, should be called from now on. He says, you are going to be the man of terrors, and uh, what you did is not right, and that's it, and God's going to get you. Like, like, you understand, the judgment is coming. 
the whole uh, of the people of God, there's, there's going to be people dragged off to exile in Babylon, and you're going to be one of them. You and your friends that you're telling everything's going to be all right, it's not going to be all right for you, and you're going to get dragged off there, and you're never coming home. While you're there, you will die and be buried, and you'll never see the homeland again. And so Jeremiah lays it out for him and tells him he's the one in the wrong and God's going to get him for it. And then Jeremiah stands back and he watches and he waits for the lightning bolt to come out of the sky and to hit Pasher between the eyes, right? You're the man of terrors. You're the guy who's got it coming. Look out. And then he watches and he waits. And in the immediate aftermath of all that's happened, that's not how it immediately plays out shortly after. In fact, we find in short order that even though Jeremiah says, your name, Pashur, is the man of terrors, people start calling Jeremiah the man of terrors. And people start turning on Jeremiah. And while he's waiting for God to do what God said through him he would do, it doesn't seem like God's doing it. I sat there and they made me a joke. They humiliated me. They looked at me like I I was a fool. And I looked the fool and I waited for God to stand up for me. And God didn't come through. God didn't do the stuff that he told me to warn him he was going to do. And now Pasher thinks he's right. And everybody else thinks Pasher's right. And I look stupid. And so as that unfolds, Jeremiah complains to the Lord. He says, oh, Lord. You misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You fooled me, and I let myself be fooled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I'm mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. He says, I've been yelling violence and destruction like I thought you said that's what was going to happen. That's the word you gave me, and I spoke it. And and is there violence? Is there destruction? Are these guys being dragged away to Babylon? They're not. They're still here. They're still looking at me like I'm stupid, and I feel like a joke. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to say what you told me to say. I, I put myself out there, and now it's not happening, and everybody thinks I was wrong and he was right. He says, you forced me. You misled me. You told me you were going to do one thing, and I'm not seeing it happen, and you forced me to do it. And he uses that word like you overpowered me. You held me down, and you made me speak for you, and look what happened. Look how they're turning on me. I've been forced into this painful situation, forced to make enemies of my people that I trusted and forced to speak for God in ways that have left him vulnerable and attacked and and he's he doesn't want to be a prophet anymore he doesn't like being attacked he doesn't like being threatened he he doesn't like that he's lost family and friends over all this and he's he's had enough so all the challenges are getting bigger and the attacks are getting more personal and he feels like a joke and he doesn't like that feeling so he starts to feel like i've been coerced I've been tricked. I've been trapped. And he's lost the will to make that choice anymore. And he wants out of this whole profit gig. I don't don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. 
but he feels like he's not given a chance to decide for himself and he feels trapped and he wants out of it and, and it seems like God's in that, not letting him out. And so he says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. Do you feel his pain? I try to shut up about God because nobody's trying to listen and you're leaving me hanging out to dry. And every time I try to bury it and stop doing it, it's, it's like I'm on fire and I got to spit out the words and I got to speak for you because you're asking me to do it. I don't like doing it and I don't want to do it and I want to quit with every fiber of my being, but you keep making me do it. I keep speaking. And I, I say, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm stopping. I quit. I'm out. There's your five seconds notice, God. I'm done. And I end up speaking again because you make me. You put this fire in me. And I have to do it. And I don't like it. You hear the tired, worn out feeling. You know that feeling when you've just had enough? And you just want to cry, uncle? And while God is pushing him one way and everybody else is pushing him the other way, and they're just continuing to pile on, and Jeremiah says, I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives with terror. They threaten, they say, if you say anything, we'll report it. Even my old friends are watching me waiting for a fatal slip. You know what that's like when somebody you trust, someone you thought was on your side and would, would speak words of comfort and, and let you know they had your back and they turn on you and they're watching for you to fail. They're just wishing that you'd get yours and they're waiting for you to get punished. He says, even my old friends are watching, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we'll get our revenge on him. I trusted them. They were the ones I counted on. I thought they had my back. They're waiting for me to trip up so they can rat me out and see me punished. So they can get revenge. Revenge for what? I did what you told me to. God, why am I on the receiving end of all of this? He's threatened and he's maligned and he's waiting and itching. To, to, they're itching to turn him in and, and, and trap him. And do him in. And old friends. And it hurts. It's personal now. He's lost any support system that he's had. And he doesn't like it. And something snaps. And, and I don't know if you remember. A number of years ago. You remember those 3D drawing things. Those computer generated images. That they used to have years ago. And that looks like one of them. You remember these? It's just a pattern. But, but you were supposed to stare at it. And. You know, you take off your glasses and you stare at it and you try to go, and people go, no, no, you got to go cross-eyed. You got to look through it. That's what you got to do. You got to look like, like three feet beyond it. That's, that's how it works. You wait till your, your eyes go blurry and then you go cross-eyed and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. It's like a salamander or a word or something. And these 3D images would pop out, but you had to stare at them. You had to wait till you were ready to pass out from looking at it. And then all of a sudden it went, I see it. I see it. Do you see it? No, I still don't see it. Still, what, what is that? 
And all of a sudden, this thing snaps in Jeremiah, and he's waiting for things to make sense, and he's crying out to God, and he's frustrated, and he's trying to quit, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and, and there's this aha moment, and, and, and Jeremiah says, but, and this but becomes the hinge of everything that's going on in his life. All of a sudden, it flips the script, and everything's opposite, and everything's upside down from what it had been, and that but turns everything around. He says, but the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They can't defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. And he says, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. What a change, right? His heart goes to this new place and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is beside me. Like oh, everything's going wrong and they're out to get me and God seems to be letting me down. And then all of a sudden he realizes, no, I'm not alone. God is right there. I know he's there. I know he's beside me. I know he's protecting me. And all of a sudden that turns his perspective and he says, they're the ones in trouble. They're the ones that things are going to go wrong for. I'm not seeing it right now. But once I see God standing beside me, once I know his presence, it gives him a heart that's calm and suddenly his trust comes back and he feels that Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, he's going, I felt alone for a minute there, but God has the armies of heaven at his disposal and he's on my side. He called me to do this and he's right there and his armies are right behind me and they're no match for him. Now I feel okay again. What a great place to get to. What, what a, a, a shift in his thinking. That makes sense. He makes up his mind that he'll trust God and he'll let God balance the scales. And then he begins to sing out his thanks to God. And he begins to praise God and he feels worshipful and, and everything seems right with the world. And, and in spite of the storm that he's been in, in spite of all the circumstances that aren't changing, in spite of the people, even people of God, even a priest, that's turned on him and humiliated him, he lets go of that and he feels his trust for God. And in our darkest day, we can trust God. And we can know his presence. Let's pray. But before we do, before we pray, I need to warn you that there are some other verses after this. And if you went home and you reread this passage and you kept going, there would be some things there that would be troublesome to see. You, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe we should just stop here and let's just leave it well enough alone. We got to the happy ending. We got to see God ride in on the white horse and rescue Jeremiah. We saw him turn his heart and trust in the Lord. And that's a great message. And that's a great thing to feel and to know that God is working for us in spite of circumstances. And let's just stop there and forget. Okay? We'll just make up our minds that we won't go any further. Because if we went to the next verses, they would mess with that. 
And we would not have our resolution and we would not have that sense of trust and that sense that everything's going to be all right and it might play with things in ways that make us back in a bad place like jeremiah was in a bad head frame when he complained but let me warn you in this time when 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 he's just come out of it and he's felt like it's going to be okay and he's seen the lord and known god's on my side and he's got these armies and i'm going to be okay all of a sudden He goes to a dark place. Should we skip it? Would that be the right thing to do? Suddenly, suddenly after this, our resolved ending is messed with. And Jeremiah goes on, he says, yet... Yet I curse the day I was born. May no one celebrate that day of my birth. I curse the messenger who told my father, good news, you have a son. Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day long with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. I want that guy to be wiped out just for giving the good news that I was born to my dad. He says, oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. I warned you. And see, it'd be nice if there was always a happy ending, right? It would be nice if life wrapped up like every sitcom or or every action movie where the good guy wins and the bad guys lose and and against all odds, it it all wraps up and we go, there, finally. Like if, if we came through the challenges to the other side and we said, there, now, finally, I can that's the story I can get behind. Yeah, I was worried there for a minute, but now we're all right. We love those stories. Those are good stories. They're inspiring stories. And this story could have been that story, except for the fact that that is not the world you and I live in. And it's not the world that Jeremiah lived in. And so even though he has seen past the storm and seen the presence of God, there is still darkness in the world, and Jeremiah feels it. And the weight of things still can feel crushing sometimes in spite of the fact that we sometimes try to remind ourselves that God is present and try to see him. And in the real world, sometimes pain is not resolved and, and, and we don't get to see the other side. And, and pain does not give way always to beautiful courage. Sometimes both of them are there at the same time. And so Jeremiah, like us, struggles in the world and he faces circumstances that are too hard for him to bear. He faces a God who calls him to do things that feel like a pretty big challenge so that he wants God to find someone else to do it, somebody more qualified, somebody who can trust you more. God, I'm not your guy. I don't have it in me. I can't do this. And even when he has that moment when he sees God and he knows that everything is going to be all right, that doesn't get the last word. 
And the darkness creeps back and his doubts well up and the circumstances around him just become too real and he sees what's happening and he's scared again. And he starts going, I wish I was never born. I wish I didn't have to deal with any of this. His worst day became his best day, but it was still his worst day. And because even in the darkness, when it becomes so oppressive and we feel like there's no way out, even in the darkness, the greatest light can shine. And there are times when we see it being resolved and then it just snaps right back to the darkness again. But the truth is, for those few moments that we take our attention off of our circumstances and we see God for who he is and we understand that he is with us and he cares about what we're going through and his armies are on our side and even though circumstances stay ugly, when we turn our eyes to the Lord, we feel better and we feel like praising and we have this sense of trust And sometimes for us, it's hard to stay in that place and it's hard to just see that and to hang on to it. What gives me hope is that even when that happens, God doesn't write us off and that at least some of the time he gives us that brief glimpse that we can look back on that he was there and he was present and in our ugliest, darkest moment, he let us know he was there And even for a little while, it made it feel like it was okay. Because he was there before that, but Jeremiah wasn't seeing it. And he was there after that, but Jeremiah wasn't seeing it. But for a little while, Jeremiah paid attention to God more than he paid attention to his circumstance. And it didn't make the whole world shiny and new. And it didn't mean that he never had to worry again or that he'd learned his lesson and he would never struggle. Wouldn't that be nice if it was the world we live in? But it's not. Because ugliness and pain will continue in our world. But if we're paying attention, we look to God in our darkest moment. There can be a moment of light Hope, peace, and praise, and thankfulness that outshines the darkness, even if it feels like it's just been for a little while. And God doesn't just do that for guys like Jeremiah. And I am grateful. Because I I got a heart like Jeremiah's. I struggle and I lose faith and I worry and I get caught up in the darkness and, and, and I don't understand sometimes why he isn't coming in with force. But I am so grateful that even when I'm complaining, even when I'm whining about my circumstance, that he shows up and when he makes his presence known and when I really look him in the face, it is better. I feel better. I become grateful and I start to praise him and I I take my eyes off him all the time, but he never stops being beside me. And he never stops calling me back to the light. And you and I, we lose faith all the time. 
once does he lose faithfulness. And that truth alone is all the light you need on the darkest of Even when it doesn't stay that way. And even when you lose your trust. He stays right beside you the whole time. You can count on him. When you look to him, even if it's just for a little while, it becomes better. Not because the circumstances change, but because you're looking at him and you're trusting in him and you're seeing reality from a completely different perspective. That can change everything.